everybody. Welcome to Grow Up, where we are healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It is time to grow up. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the podcast for those of you that have been here a while or those of you who are just tuning in for the first time. I am so happy to have you here. My name is Amy, and I am the host of Grow Up. Today we have an awesome interview coming your way that I am so excited about. Um, I think you'll definitely pick up on the passion in my voice when I'm talking to Michelle Portlock. Um, She is an awesome, I guess like, I don't know, influencer. I mean, just um, an awesome individual. She's um, on Instagram at navigating.the.spectrum. Um, She also has her business navigating the spectrum. She does coaching. She um, has an amazing podcast, all these amazing things um, that she is doing in the world of neurodiversity and autism. And I just am so excited to bring this different um, perspective and opening up this new, you know, direction for the podcast because we haven't really done too much diving in in the world of neurodiversity and um, I am just so excited to to kind of go there with Michelle. She has tons of real life experience and um, tons of education and she is just brilliant and is such a down-to-earth incredible person to talk to. Um, it was funny because we kind of had to like cap off our interview because we I could just sense that her and I could have just chatted all day and she has um, just that warmth about her that I just really, um, admire and love chatting with. So, um, I'm so excited to bring you that for those of you who are new to the grow up podcast, you might not know yet, but, um, I kind of began this whole, uh, podcast and Instagram platform at grow.up.ig when I became a parent and I realized that my son wasn't the only one growing up. I was growing up right alongside of him. And in that whole or on that whole journey, I guess you can say, um, it's become clear that he is neurodivergent. And then in discovering a lot about my son and all of his differences in that ballpark, I have actually done a lot of um, research and realized that I fall under that umbrella as well. And that is something that um, this is actually new to the community at Grow Up and anybody else. I've actually been thinking about pursuing a diagnosis for myself of ADHD because as I've been doing some research, it is becoming apparent to me that I think I probably have that. Um, So it's just been kind of like on my mind lately and I've been doing a lot of diving in. So this whole interview with Michelle was just so timely because it's exactly where my head has been um, lately. And not only that, it is Autism Awareness Month. And I think that it is so important that this isn't just for people who are directly affected um, with autism, who have it, who are raising children with it, who love somebody with it, but also for those of us who maybe need to do a little bit more research so that we are always being an ally to those who have different struggles than we do, or just different life paths than we do. And I think that this is a perfect way to shed light as we are closing out the month of April. So without further ado, I'm going to roll this interview. And remember, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I have to reach out. I have to tell Amy about this. You can always get in touch with me through DM on Instagram at grow.up.ig or through email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. All right, check out this interview and I'll catch you after. 
All right. I have Michelle Portlock here from at navigating.the.spectrum on Instagram. And before we dive in with Michelle, I just wanted to say how absolutely thrilled I am to have her on the show. Her account is amazing. And I know those of you that have been with the Grow Up podcast for a while, you hear me talk a lot about my son's, um, you know, his neurodiversity. And this is somebody who's going to really dive in and discuss all of those little intricacies of our children's brains. And, you know, we're going to touch on all kinds of different neurodiversity stuff and autism. And I just think it's so important that we can really get into this because not only are there people in the community that can benefit from this directly, but also for those of us who just want our children to be allies and be, you know, supportive of people in their lives that are on the spectrum. And so I'm just so, so excited to have Michelle here. Um, Hi, Michelle. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Will you let us know quickly just like who you are, where you are, what you're doing, um, kind of like what your account is about? I would just love to get started there. Sure. Well, that is, that's a lot of information. We'll see. We'll see if I can (laughs) condense it. (laughs) I'll try to condense it for you. So you're not falling asleep. But um, like you said, I have a business and it's called Navigating the Spectrum. It's an LLC. And I... And I, and the offshoot to that is my Instagram account, which is at navigating dot the dot spectrum. And the whole purpose of creating the account was really to connect and to teach and to learn with those that are either neurodivergent themselves or are raising children that are neurodivergent. And the reason why this has value to me is number one, Over the years of raising my own children, I've discovered that I am also neurodivergent in my in my own way. And I don't even I won't even go into specifics with how or why, but I am. And I'm very comfortable with that. And I have four children and three are also neurodivergent Two are autistic. And then I have one with ADHD and all of them have. Well, actually I have two with ADHD, but one is autistic and also has ADHD and um, that's him. And then my oldest is autistic and she also has clinical anxiety and my youngest has ADHD and anxiety. So we're just, we got a lot of anxiety over here (laughs) and, and we just have had to learn a lot of skills and coping mechanisms. And quite honestly, when I, when I look at the title of your podcast, Grow Up, I feel like I've really had to grow up and really step up and learn um, how to be a support to my children and then also support myself because that's a huge piece of parenting individuals that are neurodivergent. And it's all been a part of the learning process for me. And I honestly, as difficult and challenging as it can be, I also really love it. I love these unique brains. I love how how neurodivergent people think outside the box. It's something that I gravitate towards. And I'm just just a huge fan of this community. I'm a part of it. And so is most of my family, if not all quite honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I think you touch on so many interesting topics. Like, so first of all, the fact, yes, you have so many different 
combinations, like within your own family, you know, with Mm -hmm. your children and, um, some synchronicities there, but then they're all individual and they all have their kind of own recipe, if you will. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you talk about the genetic component. I think that's definitely something that needs to be like brought up too, that there is sometimes that genetic component that, um, and for me, with the name grow up, which is exactly, you just hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly why the podcast is called grow up because I found myself kind of in the same ballpark where I'm raising this, you know, brilliant enigma of a human being in my little son, who's only four. And, Mm -hmm. um, I realized very early on that either I absolutely suck at parenting, which I know is not true, or I have a child <laughs> that is throwing me every curveball in the book and that mm-hmm. I was committed to finding the answers and, and finding the support to be the person that I know that he needs. And, and of course, you know, I'm not perfect. Of course, we're going to fail and it's a journey, but the point is your child is growing up, they're uncovering and discovering themselves and all these things but also they're challenging us. It's like, Hey, step up here. You know, like it's, it's my job to meet him where he is at. And it was very apparent to me early on, like, as you said that, you know, they're going to need something else from me and I'm going to have to rise to that occasion. And that calls me to grow up too. So everyone's kind of always on this like forward trajectory. And like you said, like this genetic component that like all of a sudden mm-hmm. I'm doing this research on my son and I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't only sound like him. This sounds a lot like me, which is mm-hmm. really fascinating. Cause these are things, I mean, I'm 35 and I never knew that. I mean, I always kind of had these feelings of maybe being misunderstood or different, but I never considered the whole, you know, neurodivergent piece. And I think something I want to sh- like talk about, and I'm sure you, maybe you'll agree. I kind of feel like you will. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like everyone, I think kind of like this neurodivergent word is, is newer. And I, or at least it's, it's more like of a buzzword these days. And I'll say it it's like, yeah. And I think people are hearing it and they're like, okay, I'm not quite sure what that is. I don't really mm-hmm. want to come across as offensive or ask the wrong questions. So they kind of see, see it as something outside of themselves when in reality, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say more people than we even realize fall under this category. Don't you agree? Oh, yes. I actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's important to say there are so many different people that fall under that neurodivergent umbrella. And I actually, let's see, I created a post about that not too long ago. And I just, some of these people that fall under that category, their mental health falls under that category. So if you have anxiety or depression bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, so, so, and so many more mental health disorders. Those are just a handful. Also, if you have, if you are autistic, if you have ADHD, if you have dyslexia, dyspraxia, there, there are so many different diagnoses that fall under that neurodivergent umbrella. And I think that's important to know because the, the main the main factor or main piece that you can pull from that is just that your brain or the brain of a neurodivergent individual processes information in a different way. And there is typical development and neurodivergent individuals process in a non-typical manner. And that's okay. We need it all, don't we? We, we need those typical processing skills and the non-typical. It all has value. 
and it I, all adds value. It's so true. And I think it's, it's bringing it home. Cause I know people out there who are listening right now, some people are thinking, Oh my God, it's me. I fit into this or my kid fits mm-hmm. into this. Some people are thinking, wait, I know a person that this applies to. And some people might be thinking, I don't think this applies to me at all, but I think the point is it does. And it's going to, like, you're going to, if that's what the umbrella covers, that is a broad umbrella. And especially after living through a traumatic event like this pandemic we're in, I'm hard pressed to find someone who doesn't struggle with anxiety at this point. And so it's kind of, right? I mean, so it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, whether this applies to you right now, this information and this broadening of your own horizons to take in this information, I think is a crucial part in general to stepping up our own game as a, as a human, as a parent, Mm -hmm. as an ally, um, as just somebody who wants to take care of their neighbor, you know, someone who just Mm -hmm. wants to understand. And I think it's so important that, you know, it kind of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it kind of breaks down the wall a little bit. It doesn't feel so outside of yourself when you realize that the biggest difference between you isn't that someone is capable and someone is not, that is not true. Mm -hmm. It's that the way that somebody is interpreting or learning or going about something looks different than you. And that is not good or bad. It's just different. And that's just a fact. And I like with my son, we did have him actually tested for autism at one point. And one of the, the best ways that for me, cause of course this is the first time that I was getting a direct taste of this world, you know, and, and it turned out that he was not diagnosed with autism, but I was doing a lot of research behind the scenes, obviously to even come to the conclusion that we needed to have him tested or wanted to have him tested. And one of the best ways that I could digest it, that was so easy for me to understand and it might help someone else is, you know, we talk about, they were t- saying like two different phones, right? Like people have like iPhones, like Apple phones or Google phones. They both make phone calls. They both have internet access. They both have apps, usually the same kinds of apps. They both can take pictures, but there's a different software. And, mm-hmm. and it made a lot of sense to me. It was like, wow, we all can do the same. It's just that they're working with a little bit of a different software. Doesn't mean it's better. Doesn't mean it's worse. It literally does the same thing in a different program. Mm-hmm. And that was a way for me to all of a sudden have some like, um, I'm very like visual. So for me, like just like having that like kind of reference to like bring it to something I could really understand mm-hmm. helped me put it on like a really clear, you know, visual for me. Does that's kind of something like, do you agree with that? Oh yeah, for sure. I think that was a really great example that you used. And I think it just helps people feel comfortable in their own skin. Mm. And I think that's kind of the goal here is just to say, Hey, I learned differently and that's okay. That's just the way that it is. And I think differently and that's okay. It's so funny because I didn't realize (laughs) when I'm having a conversation with someone and they, they respond to me in a certain way. Often I have a song that pops in my head that goes with their response. And all I want to do is sing that song, but that's, that's just that's wild, (laughs) but it exists. I have song in my head all the time. I can't sing. So it's just the way that I, it's just the way I think. And you're saying this because as you're saying that my first thought was like, is that wild? Cause I do the exact same thing. <laughs> like, wait, did I just uncover another facet to like my own little story? And like, <laughs> my son is the exact same way. He relates to music and it centers mm-hmm. him and he hums constantly and he sings. Mm-hmm. His new thing is he wants to read the same book 
over and over because the first mm-hmm. time he wants to read it, the second time he wants to hum a soundtrack to it while mm-hmm. I'm reading it. And like, it's, it's funny to me because like, as you're saying this, I'm like, oh my God, like, wait, that's what I do. And apparently that's kind of what my son does. Like, mm-hmm. wow, that just blew my mind. It's kind of, I love it. Cause it is sort of grounding for mm-hmm. me. It brings familiarity into a situation that maybe isn't familiar, but the truth is, is I tend to lean into being an extrovert And so I love people, but then I also really need my own time to process and to, and to kind of recuperate quite honestly, because it does kind of take it out of me. And so I've, I've always said, I guess I'm a bit of a mix, but being around people doesn't cause me anxiety. And, and I'm grateful for that, but I know it's not that way for everyone. That's okay too. We just have to learn our limits and our boundaries and work with what, what we've got and who we are. Totally. And I know before we started recording this, I mentioned briefly, just like my son is nothing like I could have imagined and everything that I needed that I didn't know was coming for me. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of an odd one because I'm going to be completely honest when I say, I probably wouldn't have chosen it mm-hmm. uh, or chosen that, you know, but that doesn't mean that I don't like it. That doesn't mean I'm not grateful for it. And I think people are afraid a lot of times to kind of say, this is hard. This is a lot harder yeah. than I thought. Like sometimes you see those other people out and about with children that are more typical. And, and I think it's a very common human thing. Like no one wants a hard life for their child. No one mm-hmm. wants their child to be, you know, labeled or discriminated against or any of that. They just want people like the easiest possible scenario. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's very lonely as a parent sometimes because you feel misunderstood. Your parenting gets misunderstood. Um, Cause it's kind of like for some people, especially with my son, it's invisible. You might not notice that he's having mm-hmm. anxiety. You might not notice, you know, um, I think a lot of times when people think of autistic children, you're picturing the stimming and the flapping or somebody mm-hmm. wearing headphones. And that might be true for some, but that's mm-hmm. also not true for a large part of the spectrum. And that's why it's a spectrum. And the mm-hmm. point is like, it can be so isolating and it can be so hard, but it's like this gift that you didn't even know you needed. It's like this richness that it brings to your life. Because like I said, Mm -hmm. you're growing up right alongside that child. And now that I have certain tools in my tool belt to support him, I find myself applying that in so many other ways. And I'm so interested to hear two things. I think the self-regulation piece of being Mm -hmm. a parent that is raising a neuro, you know, divergent child, Mm -hmm. what that looks like, um, for you, you know, how do you stay on top of your self-regulation and being somebody who, you know, is under that umbrella yourself. And then Mm -hmm. the other question I have is having the one child that is neurotypical, has it helped you or aided in your parenting with that child as well, even though maybe some of the stuff doesn't apply? Cause I feel like it, it helps me connect to people a little bit more or be a little bit more empathetic or, and I'm just mm-hmm. interested to hear if you have the same experience. Well, those are both really solid questions. And I think, oh gosh, we could do an entire podcast on self-regulation mm-hmm. and co-regulation. There's just so much to digest in those areas. What I would say is I have to personally put myself 
in a regulated space in order to show up that way for my child. And there's so many different things that I have done to create that within myself. I'll be totally honest. I didn't know that I had anxiety until I went through a divorce in my early thirties and my anxiety was so intense. I I couldn't even eat and they call it the divorce diet. That's not what it is. It's really the anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry though. It's all back and forth. So I'm eating well these days, (laughs) 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 but, (laughs) but my reason in sharing that is that, um, we can carry those anxieties and those, all of those struggles that we have, we carry them with us and we have to learn how to manage ourselves before we can step in and be the co-regulator for our child. And so there are a lot of things I do. And one is I exercise and it's not always hard exercise. It's, I take my, I have a dog and I take my dog for a walk and sometimes it's 15 minutes but I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out while I'm walking and just kind of finding a calm space for myself. And that really helps me. I know it's different for everyone. Sometimes my workouts are really intense and that can feel good too, because I have a little more to get out of my system. And, and I, sometimes I just need that. And then there's also the way that I eat. I choose to eat food that fuels my body, because I really have to feel my best. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, I don't love chocolate and all the good things and, you know, calamari, all, all kinds of things on my list. I could tell you, I love, but I try to really fuel my body with things that I know will help it function at its best level. So these are just really small things. And then I have mantras that I say in my head, one that I say, and I said this so often when my my oldest daughter, who's autistic, she is 19. And when she was little, and I didn't know what she, I didn't know she was autistic, but I used to say in my head, if she could, she would, but she can't yet. And constantly, if she could, she would. And sometimes I'd forget that she can't yet because that made it too long for me. (laughs) But I remember seriously standing there watching a really intense meltdown, which I knew was really painful for her. But I was struggling with what I was witnessing and participating in. Mm -hmm. And I remember taking a step back and breathing through it. And in my mind, over and over, if she could, she would. If she could, she would. Because she doesn't want to be experiencing that either. She doesn't want to be dysregulated like that. It's uncomfortable for her. It's uncomfortable for our children. And so the goal is to try to regulate before you get to that space, before you become that dysregulated. But that's that's a process too. Learning what that looks like for your child because it's individual. And that is that can be so frustrating because as a parent, Our main goal is to meet our child's most basic needs. And I just feel like when we can't, we can often feel like a failure as a parent. And so it's taking the time to learn those skills. What do they look like? How can we implement them in our homes? And that can take the, that can take specialists in various areas like occupational therapists and speech pathologists and um, sometimes behavior therapy as well. 
um, I only recommend behavior therapy if they are also aware and really tap into self-regulation, like the sensory processing piece, because I think when we disregard that, we disregard the whole individual. And so I think they need to be neurodivergent affirming. If, okay. if you're looking for a behavior therapist to help you, I think they can't just be focused on appropriate behavior. There needs to be more to it than that. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, I really feel like these are all steps we can take that lead us in the right direction, the right direction for ourselves and also the right direction to help guide and support and uplift our child exactly where they are and embrace them exactly where they are. They'll grow, they'll change just like we do, but aren't we grateful for those people that embraced us where we were and where we are today? I am. Yes. And I feel like it's like a long game, right? I mean, you're instilling in your child, first you're like you said, you're meeting them where they are. They're doing mm-hmm. exactly what they're capable of in that moment because everybody is always doing their best in every moment and they're showing you what that is. Mm-hmm. And that is communication, first of all. Like, yes. you know, not saying, yes. tell me, tell me, tell me. No, they're telling you, they're showing you. And I mean, of mm-hmm. course, that goes into a whole other piece of children that are nonverbal and things like that. But I mean, even mm-hmm. the ones that are verbal, in that, I always joke with people, I say, listen, I know how to cook, but there's a lot of nights I choose to get carry out because I don't want to cook. So like, I'm showing you in that moment, <laughs> I don't need to tell you, like, I'm showing you what I'm capable of. And that's a very simplified version, but to take that as I like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, doesn't it make sense? It's like, listen, just mm-hmm. cause I can, doesn't mean that that's where I'm at today. And that might be because yes. I'm having an anxiety attack. I'm, you know, I'm feeling flooded. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm having a hard day. There's, there's a lot of things. And can we award our children the same respect and grace that they're doing the best that they can, even if that's hard for us. And then that goes back into mm-hmm. our self-regulation game. Like you said, those mantras and mm-hmm. things are so helpful, but yeah, it's the long game. Cause you're, you're kind of implanting the, the more you show up for them steadily and support and you are centered and you're trying to exude that centeredness to them they're learning from that. You're modeling mm-hmm. it and as they get older, they're going to be able to, you know, adopt some of those things when they are able. And, and I'm sure with somebody who is on the spectrum in some regard or under that umbrella, the dysregulation might be a little bit more severe. It might be something that looks a little bit different than a neurotypical child's meltdown or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it might even be it doesn't come as quickly as it does to somebody else. Oh, well, this kid's eight and they're acting like this, but my eight-year-old doesn't do that. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I think we have to always remember, like you said, they're doing the best they can and, and, and and you just have to meet them there. You do. So when you, when you were just now talking about the difference between the two eight-year-olds, it made me think of an experience that I had recently. I'm kind of the oldest kindy mom on the block right now. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay being matronly on the playground. (laughs) And and so I go in there and I was sitting by a grandpa and my child had, and she had an interaction with another child that was kind of ugly. And the other child didn't understand that she had communicated. My daughter had communicated her boundaries on multiple occasions. And this child just kept going and doing the same thing, which that's, he's a kid. That's, 
he was just a kid. But what he didn't understand is my child has limits that once you surpass them, she melts. So she eventually was like scream crying, hiding under the slide. And the grandpa looked at me and said, wow, I have never seen my granddaughter behave that way. And I said, well, stick around. You'll see all kinds of behaviors. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, oh. I actually made jokes about it, not about my child, oh. but about their comments because it just, it's okay. I don't judge him for saying that. I don't judge my daughter for having that reaction. I just have to, I just, and I actually don't even care what people think of me as a parent when my child, but that took a while. I yeah. did used to, yes. but I don't now. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, cause in my mind, I'm very confident and comfortable knowing that I am doing the darn best that I can. And that my child She's trying to do the best she can. And it's my job to go in and to comfort her. And so that day I just went and sat by her under the slide. And I just said, I know you're upset. I'm just going to sit here and you can hold my hand. You can sit in my lap. And once she calmed down, you know, we went and had a conversation with her friend and his mom showed up and said, you apologize to her. You really upset her, you know, and I talked to her mom and just said, look, this is my daughter has these. She can only take so much. And I'm not saying that your son gave her more than than he should have, but she's got her limits. And so, you know, we, we have those types of conversations and everyone around you is learning as they're as they're a part of these experiences. And if they walk away with judgment, then they'll just have to learn later. (laughs) Oh gosh. What great points. You just brought up so much that I feel like directly relates to things I've gone through with my son and, Mm -hmm. um, a big challenge for me, like you said, you've gotten to the point where you don't care what people think of your parenting. And it's funny. I I have just, I feel like in the last maybe month, even or two, since one of my son's more epic meltdowns out in public, because also here's the other thing we've been living in our house for two years. So like I haven't had to be out and about and getting, um, you know, the people haven't been able to see me parenting in public in a long time. And Mm -hmm. in that two years, we've had a lot of discoveries about my son's, you know, stuff. And so it's hard though, because I, in that moment, I know for myself, I'm still kind of new to this and it triggers again, back to the grow up thing. It triggers me because I'm like, why do I care so much? Cause, and then I have to think to myself, this is my shit. And I have to take my <laughs> shit and put it back in my box and put it on uh-huh. the shelf for a minute because yeah. right now I have to make a conscious decision that I, it is not about me. It is not mm-hmm. about my feelings. It is not mm-hmm. about what anybody else at this park or this place thinks of me and my child who is mm-hmm. doing the best that he can, who is acting completely appropriately to the situation at hand with all of the things that he is carrying on for his personality. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, nothing was wrong with that child. They were being a child. Yes. Some of this stuff just all lines up and this is the way the chips fall. But the point is I realize for myself, when I get in that headspace of that shame and judgment on myself, yes. I yes. know this is mine. This is not his, mm-hmm. this is not his responsibility. I pick it up. I put it on this, like, you know, imaginary shelf in my brain. I'm like, I will deal with this later in therapy, mm-hmm. usually every Friday at 9 a.m. to be exact. <laughs> Good and for you. I, Good on you. Then I will. And with him, I'm like, right now, the priority is my child. And I always try to picture myself. I have two different mantras, I guess. They're more like visuals for me. Um, Cause I'm very visual. So it's like, I'll, 
either picture it as like, I'm his wing person. Mm. Um, I think of it almost like this is going to sound really funny, but for any of us who have had like the, you know, drunken 21 year old days at the bar, like how would you handle the really drunk friend? Are you going to walk up and be like, you are a mess. You need to go. No, you're going to walk up and say, (laughs) Hey, how you doing? You need some water. You want me to, okay. You need, you want to take your shoes off. Okay. No problem. Like you're going to be that wing person, right? Like you're going to be on Mm -hmm. their level. You're going to, like you said, I'm going to sit with my daughter in it under mm-hmm. the slide and say, I got you, girl. I am there for you. I am mm-hmm. a person. You're not going to go, why are you acting like this? We have to leave. You're making him upset. Like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to sit in it with them. And the other visual I have is like, because of the dysregulation, I try to embody what I I'll say wish, even though I know it's scientifically not possible. Sure. What I wish my son's prefrontal cortex would do right now for him. Hmm. So I will like try to think to myself like, okay, so I show up with like, I'll do a lot of nodding, like AKA everything's okay. He's looking at me. I'm nodding. I'm doing the, mm, okay. 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 And I'm slowing down my voice and I'm talking slower and I'm, I'm taking deep breaths in front of him, hoping that he's going to start to jump in and, and kind of gather that sense of calm. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, I am trying to behave the way I wish his body was helping him regulate right now. Amy, that's brilliant. Oh, and those are actually things that I talk to with parents who are raising neurodivergent children. Those are the slowing down of the voice mm. and the breathing in and out that slow breathing. Yes. I do want to add, and this is on the same topic, but a little bit of a, sure. a deviation. I do care how my children treat other people. Yes. So I just don't care how they perceive my parenting when my child is in a space of distress. And that is because I have learned that my child's needs just have to come first. And, you know, I, I've had experiences where I've had a child in the middle of a sidewalk on a busy morning while kids are walking into school and they're chucking their shoes because they're sensory and they don't like the way their shoe feels. And I will literally say, I, I, I use humor a lot. I'll say, I'll say nothing to see here. Have have a good day. Nothing to see here. Like just, And because I think of like, okay, so I used to think this way when I went, this was back before I had kids, I would do yoga all the time. And when I first started yoga, I thought to myself, man, I'm really not nailing this. I'm doing pretty poorly actually. Uh And I would look around and I would think to myself, at least somebody else is feeling really good about themselves because they're like, I'm not the worst one here. And it was like kind of this joke I would tell myself, like, I'm just helping everyone else feel better. And Mm -hmm. so I I actually, it's funny that you say that because I I adapt that kind of mindset for myself sometimes. And I'm like, Hey, at least you can feel good that your kid's not having a meltdown. It's fine. So Hey, cool. You know, Sometimes I circle back with some of those parents if they're if they're people yeah. that I care about and I will say, "Oh, you know what? That was really tricky. My poor child has some sensory struggles and this is what it looks like and today it just got the best of her." And you know what? Hopefully tomorrow will be better for her. Mm-hmm. And we and we just I try to be extremely respectful of my child and not make them, not make them out to be the bad guy in any situation, because that's just not true. Mm -hmm. And so now what this has done for me, parenting multiple children who are neurodivergent is I walk into a grocery store and there's a kid having a fit, throwing an orange in the produce section. 
and I smile at the mom. And sometimes I put my hand on my heart and give him a look and just like my heart's I'm with you, mama. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, and I walk on wow. and, you know, I just, I just see things differently. I, I look at people's experiences truly with a lens of that's the best they can do right now. That is their best. And when you use that lens, it really changes. It changes everything for you. And it also can change the experience for the people that you're viewing through that lens. And I think that it really, it's really been helpful to me. And quite honestly, there are probably people who aren't doing their best. They're, they're just having a bad day and their best isn't what's coming out. Right. And I'm also, I also think to myself, this is a bad moment for them. Mm -hmm. And I move on. I don't need to stare at them in their worst moment (laughs) or, or take a video on my camera in their worst moment. You know, I just, they're human. They're having a human moment. They're they're, yes. And we've all been there. I mean, I I, know like I've done that where I've kind of been rude and I thought, wow, why did I, that wasn't that person's fault. Why, why did I just go there? You know, it's like, but then again, again, that's that introspection, that, that piece that you can reflect on later and go like, So anytime someone responds to me with that, it's like, they must be really hurting. They must be really Mm -hmm. struggling. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? It's true. It's, it's so true. And this is just, I mean, it's part of the learning process. So what I can tell you for sure is that I still have so much more growing and learning to do, but I can say, I really like who I am now better than I like who I was 10, 15, 20 years ago. I like this version of me better. And it has so much to do with all of the challenges that we've had to work through as a family together. And it's just changed me and helped me grow and helped me become a better version of me. And I'm very appreciative of that and so deeply grateful for that. Although I can tell you, I did not enjoy every moment for sure. And, and that's just something that we have to, sometimes I look back and say, wow, we did that. We did that. And you kind of have little celebrations. And sometimes if you don't celebrate, you just go, whoo, wow. Okay. Done. We did it. We made it through. Let's, let's keep moving. And even like the different, um, the waves of growth that you see your child exhibiting that you're like, wow, they they're right now. They're in a really anxious period. Like I know for my son, yes. I saw a huge uptick in his sensory behavior when he went back to school this year. And it was like mm-hmm. a change of schedules, which was really triggering for him. I, I, we ended up getting him a, like a visual calendar board that he could see here's what to expect. And um, it would help with his anxiety. And we started noticing a bunch of chewing and things that he was like really seeking mm-hmm. out. Um, and it's like funny because when you're in it, you, you almost feel like you're like backsliding. Cause you're like, wait, what? Like, how is this starting now? Like I, like you weren't even this bad and now you're older. Like you're, again, like mm-hmm. you're, you're judging like where you think they quote should be. Cause they should be older. They should be this. They should be that. And then you realize mm-hmm. like when you get kind of quiet about it, you're like, Oh no. Okay. That was around the time of school. He's obviously back to, they're doing the best they can. He's mm-hmm. struggling with something. And what's funny now now that he's settled, now that he's very comfortable at school and all these things, and he does love school. I've been noticing in the last couple of weeks, what a, 
he's so much more extroverted the way he used to be. He seems Mm -hmm. so much more regulated in terms of the little things that might've sent him completely over the edge back in October. Now Mm -hmm. just might be a little conversation we have, and then he's over it. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, wow, this is really, and you're right. I don't, I'm not naive enough to go, yay, we made it through no more anxiety. No, of course. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm in that point of, Whew, okay. Like that was a phase. And now next time something comes up, instead of going like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with, wrong with my kid? It's, it's looking behind the behavior. It's going, okay, what changed? What's a trigger right now for him? Why is, what can I do behind the scenes to help him transition a little bit better to help this regulation? Could we get outside a little bit more? Does he need to get out? Like now with his chewing, I'm like, does he need a crunchy snack? Do you want some carrot sticks? Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot more that you can do and offer on like the parenting end to Mm -hmm. try to intervene, but you're right. These behaviors, they do, they kind of come in waves. And then something, the second you get over what you deem as a hurdle or something that's more challenging in this moment, they start to get a little more acclimated. And then there's something new because life is always changing and and it doesn't go away. At the end of the day, my kid has anxiety. He will always have anxiety, whether it's Mm -hmm. at a peak or something a little bit more manageable, just like his mom, you know, I'm the same way. And Mm -hmm. um, with the sensory stuff, like, yes, there's an uptick in sensory behavior sometimes. And, and it's not constant all the time, but it's something he's going to have that component the rest of his life. That's mm-hmm. how his brain is wired. You know And mm-hmm. I think? Thinking that we can just overcome anxiety or change who we are, or like even with, you know, autistic children that we, you know, that you can, oh, we can get them therapy and they, they act more neurotypical. I mean, like, yeah, of course you want your kid to, to have the easiest go of things, but like, that's who they are. We don't need to mm-hmm. change them. We need we need acceptance and we need allies and we need people who understand. And like you said, the mom at the grocery store that puts her hand on her heart and just looks at you like, it's okay. And oh my God, mm-hmm. if someone would have done that for me when my kid was losing at the grocery store, the amount of peace that would have brought me, even when you said it, it's like, I felt like this, like feeling of exhale in my whole body. Like, oh my mm-hmm. God, like, cause you do, you constantly feel on eggshells. Like no one gets it. No one gets him. They're going to judge us. They're going to judge him. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you find like, when we talk about being an ally, when we talk about stuff like that, maybe even explaining it to your other children or like how you explain things to your neurotypical child, like how, how can we talk to people who don't understand this whole struggle or this whole you know journey and how can we get them to support us in a way that is helpful or how can we get them to understand? So that is such a solid question. And I feel like what I have learned from my own mistakes over time <laughs> is just like we talk about showing up in a calm space for our children. I think when we take our defensiveness out of the conversation and we can show up with other adults and other parents in just a calm, mature fashion and express our feelings, people are more likely to take you seriously and they're more likely to accept your thoughts as opposed to if you're coming at them in a space of harshness, or I call it like the verbal assault. Mm. And it's, and I don't mean that I don't mean to like downplay what that is, but I think sometimes we come in hot and heavy. And if we just took a moment to breathe and then show up, then they're more willing to listen. I have never had someone verbally berate me. And I walked away thinking, oh, you know what? They're right. I'm totally going to change that. Instead, my defensive walls have risen 
And I, and I feel that burning, like almost a sense, a feeling of anger and just what the heck, who do they, why would they treat me like that? And, but I have changed when people approach me with love and when they approach me from a place of, you know, these are my child's needs and this is why they need those things. And these are some of the things that we're working on. And I feel like that helps open people's minds. I have all these moms in the kindergarten playground now that come and talk to me because I, and look, I am not saying I'm perfect by any means. I could share so many examples of my imperfection, but I have had some better experiences as a parent on the kindy playground for some reason. And (laughs) maybe it's my place. I don't know. But I've had a lot of moms come and talk to me about their own kids' struggles because I've remained, been able to remain calm through my daughter's And people are watching, whether you care if they're watching or whether if you notice they're watching, they are watching. And so when we show up in these spaces, people do get curious. They become more curious and they want to ask you more about that. And I have a small handful of parents who have come to me to talk to me about their own neurodivergent children. And it's been really cool because I'll be honest. That wasn't my experience when my 19-year-old was in kindergarten. I mean, I had a total parent fail when she cried with her new Mary Jane shoes on her feet. And I didn't know why she was crying. And I'm saying, suck it up, walk across the street. You're fine. You know, nobody's asking me what I'm doing in that situation. (laughs) They're just looking at my daughter thinking, that poor girl, you know, but they'll come... So you know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> I, it actually just came up recently where I was hearing a story and I was, um, it was hard for me because it's something that, you know, it's the opposite of what I try to do for my son, because now that I know that he has the sensory component, you know, but it was a parent that I don't think quite understands the sensory stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying exactly that about like, um, you know, something that their child had to wear to a function. And it was something that it wasn't a uniform. It wasn't like, oh, you have to wear this because like it's a bathing suit or like, it wasn't like, you know, mm-hmm. it was just like a choice of outfit that they thought was appropriate for this event. Mm-hmm. And if they were mad that, you know, basically like the child was being disciplined because mm-hmm. of tights, because she didn't want to wear tights. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Because I think mainstream if you mm-hmm. haven't had an awakening to this whole realm the, that mm-hmm. is so common is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to like bridge this gap. Like you might not be seeking occupational therapy for sensory things, but your child probably does have some sensory preferences. And yes. it's, and so it's, it's hard because it's like, I get it. They don't, they, you only can know what you know, and this parent doesn't know yet. And I, hopefully mm-hmm. they are open to learning for their child's sake. But the, so it's like, they're talking about disciplining their child because to them, it seems like they're being quote disobedient because they're mm-hmm. not getting dressed. They're, they're mm-hmm. fighting me and just put on the tights. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because having a child like mine, I mean, I go almost the radical opposite where I'm like, we kind of don't really have any non-negotiables in my house. Like he's mm-hmm. the kind of kid that like everything is negotiable. I mean, cause it really, it is. He hates brushing his teeth, which usually is a fight when something mm-hmm. else is on his mind. Like tomorrow I have to go to the doctor and I don't want to go. So the night before he's going to fight me tooth and nail, no pun intended about brushing his teeth. (laughs) 
And so he's, and, and so sometimes I'm like, you know what? That's fine. You don't have to brush them. And I think to myself, like, everyone's like, oh my God, what? Like he's going to have cavities. Okay. Listen, he's four years old. The teeth are going to fall out. I would rather that he has a positive association with brushing his teeth in general, not because I'm standing over him demanding he does something that right now what's taking the cake is my child's anxiety and me supporting mm-hmm. his anxiety. It's not about the teeth brushing, you know, and it's, and I get it. And that sounds very radical to a lot of people like, oh, but that's hygiene. But to me, hygiene's a little bit negotiable at that age too. I mean, like, it's like, does he need, sure. his you know, like, yes, he walks out of the house. It drives me insane. I'm a hairstylist. Like, let me just brush your freaking hair. And he's like, no, not this morning, mom. Nope. I'm having bedhead, mom. I'm like, oh my God, this is nails on a chalkboard. Hey, how about a hat? Nope. I don't want a hat. Okay, fine. And I'm just, I'm cringing inside, but I'm also realizing that like, there might be another reason behind the scenes. And it's so hard sometimes, like you said, to see, like you said, with the Mary Jane shoes or the child with the tights or my son with his teeth brushing. And it's like, I get it. Cause sometimes you're like, that is disrespectful. That is disobedient. Can't you just be like this? Why do you have to do that? And then you, that's like the chatter inside of your head. Mm-hmm. And you have to like, as, as, again, back to what our work is as parents, in my opinion, is we have to get kind of clear with like what we're demanding and why, and then realize that like, again, the, like everyone, the kids want to do right. No one wants to fight with their mom and dad. They're not trying to be disobedient. They're not trying mm-hmm. to give you a hard time. Something else is going on. And I think having a child like this has kind of made me into like super sleuth mode where I'm like, always like trying to be detective, <laughs> you know, like I'm always like, uh-huh. you're like why he's, it's, I, I get curious a lot, I guess is mm-hmm. the thing. And I think that's why sometimes I start dropping some of these non-negotiables that, you know, everyone's like, well, they have to do this. I mean, like at this point, the only rule I have about clothing in our house, like actually in the four walls of our home is that he can't sit his bare ass on my dining room table while he's eating dinner. That is what I'm going to do. And if that seems reasonable. reasonable. Like keep your butt away from your dinner. That's like all I'm asking. And and I think the point is like, it started with, oh, you have to wear clothes. Like, aren't you going to be cold? Oh no. Okay. Well put clothes on at the dinner table. And then I had to get clear about that. Is it really necessary? Like And you just keep going back to the drawing board and kind of meeting your kid where they are. And I trust that one day he'll come around. He's not going to be naked when he's like, you know, 40 years old at like Mm -hmm. his work party. I mean, maybe he will, I don't know, but it's just, just, I think like we have to kind of like step back and like, look at the bigger picture. And I think maybe you can agree that like raising a child or children with extra needs that you've had to do some of this kind of detective work on. It kind of applies, like you said, like when you see these other children and you're thinking, oh man, like if we could all just kind of slow down and, and like you said, take a pause and think about Mm -hmm. what is something else going on here? Or is it really Mm -hmm. about the tights? And like, you know, I don't know. It gives perspective, I think in a way that if you don't have a child like that, you might not have to have come to yet. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I love everything that you've shared and there's a couple things (laughs) I do. And there's a phrase there's a there's a, oh gosh, is he, he has his PhD. His name is Dr. Justin Colson okay. and he's fantastic. You can follow him on Instagram, but he uses this phrase, get curious, not furious. Mm. And it's something that I think about often instead of, and, and it does, that's another little mantra that I've tucked in my pocket and I'm watching a behavior and I'm saying, let's, let's become the detective. I'm using your words there. Yes. Great. And because I love what you said and I, and I step back and what's happening here. 
and how can I best meet the needs of my child? And quite honestly, sometimes they are just being naughty and it's a absolutely not. We're not doing that, but you have to sit and watch sometimes to see if that's what's actually going on. And if your child is a communicator, it's okay to step in and say, let's like, what's happening here. Right. And that doesn't always work, but you can try that and maybe it will work. And if not, then you got to take a different approach. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there is some trial and error. There will be screw ups because we're human. And then we just try to do the best that we can. That's that's all we can do. And, you know, there's Maya Angelou always says, do the best you can until you know better Then when you know better, do better. It's one of my favorite quotes by her. And I just feel like, we can, that can be all of our themes as parents. Just when we know better, we do better. Yes. That would be all, all I would add to what you just said. Absolutely. Cause it's so true. It's like, again, it's back to the journey, right? I mean, it's like your, your thoughts are just that they're thoughts and thoughts can change. And, and as an adult, with better regulation, you know, scientifically that our brains are capable of that. Like we do have a responsibility to kind of like get curious and keep adding to our tool belt and then applying those things. And I agree with you when you know better, you should hold yourself to a higher standard and try Mm -hmm. your best to do that. And like you said, yes, you are human stuff happens, you know, and dysregulation happens. And in my house, it happens a lot between my, 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 between, I mean, thank God for my husband. Cause he's so, he's like the anchor, but like, I mean, I'm overwhelmed. My kid's overwhelming. This is like our dynamic and it, and it takes a lot more for me mm-hmm. a lot of times than it will for my husband. Cause that's just the nature of our personalities. And I think it's, it's so interesting, but yeah, it's definitely made us get really clear and, and kind of, you know, we don't really have the option. And I think, um, especially when you have a child, when you, you know, your child's in the, under that neurodiverse umbrella that you're going like, okay, like I didn't maybe have to come, I have to come to this a little bit sooner than others perhaps, but mm-hmm. it is a gift kind of in disguise, you know, it is it's not even, I mean, I don't want to say in disguise that makes it sound negative, but the point is there is challenge to it that makes you go, Oh, why me? Or, Oh my God, this is so challenging. But the richness of the lessons are so valuable. And And I truly believe that like, you're the best parent for your child. I mean, I really Mm -hmm. think that like who he is, is exactly what I need. And somehow I'm what he needs. And I think the balance of it is kind of like the beauty of it. And Mm -hmm. it's hard though. Um, Before we go, just uh, like, is there anything that like, what is your, like, when you think about the way that the mainstream, you know, I guess media or, or just people in general, like the, the general, you know, thing that people are being fed about neurodiversity is what is um is there any pet peeve you have with that is there there some kind of like myth that you want to debunk or make you know more common knowledge that you can just share with people as like kind of like something to think about or to to take forward out of this um you know in a way that we can see something different that's a great question there are actually so many myths (laughs) (laughs) but i would say I would say the one thing, I don't know if it's a pet peeve. I just think we can do better showing more diversity within the neurodivergent community. Mm-hmm. And I, I see like shows that are on TV and usually when they show an autistic individual, they're extremely bright. They're, they're a doctor on a show, but they don't really connect with people, but they're solving all of the medical problems that have ever existed. And because you know there's there is a there there is 
a certain type that exists that people see and think, oh, that's that's what autism is. And that is true, but that's only one piece of what the autism community can and does look like. It's so varied and so diverse. And quite honestly, sometimes when you meet someone and you walk away thinking, well, they're unique, they probably are neurodivergent in some way or another. And I, what I wish is that people, instead of saying that person is so weird, I wish they would say that person is really unique. And then I wish that we had the emotional maturity to say, let's look at all of the things they bring to the table. I I wish we could get to that place where we could take a look at people that are unique and really appreciate their gifts, their skill sets, the lessons that they can teach us. That that's what I wish our takeaway from meeting neurodivergent people would be. I think we have a long way to go before we get to that place, but I also think we've come a lot further than we used to be. So I just, I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily have a specific pet peeve. I just think we can do better. I think we can invite that kid that doesn't get invited because people think they're weird or people think they're harder or more challenging to have around. I think we can, I think we can do that as parents and look, sometimes it means we have to step up our game, but isn't that okay? We're people and part of communities and that's what we do. We're here to uplift each other and to help bring out the best in those around us. And so why can't we choose to show up in that way? And we can't do it. We don't necessarily need to do it all the time, you know, but when we are in a headspace where we can handle maybe a little more, uh, someone who has more active act, like they might be a more active child, Mm -hmm. let's have them over when we can, because those might be the kids that other parents are like, that is just exhausting, but, but it's also okay. Go to a park. You know, I don't know. I'm getting off on a little bit of a well, tangent. You're not actually, everything you're saying is so inspiring. Like part of me was thinking back to my visualizations. It's like you go into an ice cream shop. How are you going to know what kind of ice cream you like unless you taste them? I mean, like, you're mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I've never had that kind. That looks kind of interesting. Like, like give me yes. try this one. Like, what if your kid pairs really well with this child? What if their friendship with that child brings out something wonderful in your child. I mean, like you Mm -hmm. don't know what's, what the potential of the situation is until you dive in. And that does not mean you're always capable. Like your capacity is different in every moment. Again, back to my Mm -hmm. cooking dinner and carry out analogy, it's always going to be different, but if you have the capacity, if there's an opportunity for inclusion and Mm -hmm. for trying something new, why not? And I think to myself, like when I was saying to be curious, when you get curious about your kid's behavior, I try very, very hard. This is something that I've developed a passion for with my son. Um, I try not to label things for him. So if he were to come mm-hmm. up to me and say, um, well, I'll give an ex- a direct example. This is not about a, um, well, maybe she is neurodivergent. I don't know, but it has nothing to do with that. A UPS driver was on our, we were on a walk and he, she gets out of the car and she had like long purple braids, beautiful, mm-hmm. like fuchsia, like really like unicorn. And he goes, <laughs> He goes, wow, like mom, she has purple hair. And I said, wow, she does have purple hair. And I don't Mm -hmm. say, 
that's pretty. I don't say that's ugly. I don't say that's good. That's bad. That's weird. I just think, yeah, she does. And he, and I, and he said, why does she have that? And I said, well, probably because she likes it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I said, you could ask her and he didn't cause she was walking or whatever. And, and I, and I just made a, I made an observation. I try to be the bystander, like almost like a sportscaster. And I say like, you have brown hair. Mommy has red hair. She has purple hair. Hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I just leave it as like an open-ended thing. And if he wants to derive that he thinks that's weird. Okay. That's your choice. If he thinks it's cool. Great. It's cool. Like, and I think where I'm going with this is when they come up and and they say this kid is weird or this kid is different or that person's unique. Can we just say, wow, they seem really interesting. Can we Mm -hmm. just say, wow, you know, they seem like they had a lot to say. Wow. Mm -hmm. That kid, you know, that kid really likes to run. Mm -hmm. Not that's so weird. That's bad. That kid has too much energy. Those are labels that you're putting on something that it's all subjective to whoever's perceiving it. And I think if we can try to approach our children even starting with seeing somebody with a different hair color or a skin color or anything else with just a kind of an openness about it, then when they run into the child that acts a little bit differently, then mm-hmm. they'll just think, huh, that's their thing. That's not mm-hmm. my thing. That's their thing. And then they might be curious about it versus shutting it down. And maybe, maybe, yes. I don't know. But the point is like, if we can approach that same curiosity about our child's behavior as we can to people who look and act differently than we do, then I think there's hope for more connections to be made because it doesn't alienate either party. If that mm-hmm. means, you know, I, I do. I love, I love how you kind of expanded on that and I appreciate your words and your thoughts. And I just, Thanks. I want to tell you how much I appreciate just having these conversations with you and this conversation we've been having. I just really love the way your brain thinks. I like the way you expand on thoughts. And I also want to say, Amy, that some of the things you've shared are so beyond a natural ability for a parent, but you're already doing those things. And I, those are things I work on with parents on a regular basis. And that's not saying anything about them because you're, you're like the little unicorn in this. In this Maybe I in could this admire situation. purple. <laughs> yes, you could. Yes, you could. But I just really appreciate the time that you've spent with me. And I appreciate you well, having me on your podcast today. Thank you. And thank you for just opening our eyes. Really. I think again, just bringing a new outlook to the table and kind of breaking down those walls and realizing that again, we are so much more alike in a lot of ways than we are different and just breaking down some of those myths and labels and things like that, I think is so important. Um, is there a way that, I mean, of course I'm going to link you in kind of like the show notes on, on the podcast and stuff, but how else can people find you? I know you have a podcast that is incredible. I was listening to it today, actually, before we got on here. Um, but yeah, how else, what else do you offer? How else can we, you know, hear from you? You can find me on my website is michelleportlock.com and my name's Michelle spelled with one L. You could also, um, you know, just Google navigating the spectrum with Michelle Portlock and it would take you to my site too. And then you can find me on Instagram. We've already said at navigating.the.spectrum. And then you can on any podcast, any podcast platform, you can just um, search for navigating the spectrum with Michelle Portlock and it'll pop up there. I have 57 episodes so far and 
quite a few more recorded. I try to drop one a week. Every now and again, I miss a week just to kind of recuperate. <laughs> but um, yeah, those are the various ways that you can reach me. And I absolutely love connecting with people. So yeah, you're so yeah. wonderful. And I think, again, this is such a great conversation for not only people that can relate directly, but just for a broadening of horizons of anybody. So even if you're somebody who you're like, I don't know if this really applies to my kid directly or to my parenting journey directly. I encourage you still to listen to the podcast, still to follow her at Instagram, just because this will apply to somebody in your life or somebody in your child's life. And I think we can all add more tools to our tool belt. So I just think it's so beneficial. So thank you again, Michelle, for, for being a part of the podcast. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Welcome back friends. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as we enjoyed making that for you. Um, definitely found a new friend in Michelle and I cannot wait to have her back on the podcast sometime to dive even deeper. And again, if you are somebody who is listening to that and you're thinking that you want to share a part of your story or you have questions that didn't get answered through the podcast, um, of course, you can always reach out to either one of us, you know, to Michelle directly, if you want to do that, um, at navigating.the.spectrum on Instagram, or you could go to her website. I'll link everything in the show notes. Um, or you can reach me on DM at grow.up.ig or through email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. And I would love to, you know, have some more experience from the community out there so we can open up another conversation with Michelle eventually and, and keep talking about these things because, um, again, like I said in the podcast and beforehand, this doesn't always just directly affect us and our children, but it's also something that we should just spread more awareness about so we can always make sure that we are being inclusive and being supportive of those that are different and on different journeys than we are on. So um, that being said, there was one quick thing I wanted to add that I know can get kind of tricky if you're not in this realm and I didn't actually get to directly ask Michelle point blank. Um, and sometimes you'll hear the word neurodivergent and sometimes you'll hear the word neurodiverse, um, or neurodiversity or things like that. And I wanted to just clarify for those of you that are unaware, um, you can always do a quick Google search on this yourself as well, if you want to dive deeper into it, but essentially neurodivergent is when you're talking about the individual and their particular difference. Or um, if you want to talk more a collective of people with all kinds of different divergence, <laughs> if you will, it would be neurodiverse or neurodiversity. So there's that. Put that in your toolbox there so that if it ever comes up, you will have that knowledge and be able to spread a little bit of awareness to those who don't know. Until next time, keep growing up, keep doing your best, and I will catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye.